This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, April 16th, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Kathleen Sebelius is out as Secretary of Health and Human Services after overseeing vast and dubious expansions of that office's power. But her replacement will wield even more power over the health care sector. Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. Well, Kathleen Sebelius oversaw maybe the the broadest expansion of the powers of the Secretary of Health and Human Services since the creation of that position in the 1970s. And she and part of that was done by Congress, but part of it was done by Sebelius herself. A lot of people have referred to Obamacare not as a bill, but as a shell of a bill, because it gives so much power to the Department of Health and Human, the Secretary of Health and Human Services, to fill in all the blanks. And so instead of specifying every type of coverage that people have to purchase in order to comply with Obamacare's individual mandate, they left that power to Kathleen Sebelius. And that's how we got the contraception mandate that has uh, just been uh, argued before the Supreme Court as violating religious liberty. That's, that, and it's one of the ways that she really took the power that Congress gave her, expanded it, but then she's expanded it in other ways, ways that violate clearly violate the Constitution. When insurance companies began complaining that, well, not even complaining, just informing their enrollees about how Obamacare was increasing their premiums back in September of 2010, six months after the bill was passed, Kathleen Sebelius basically threatened them with bankruptcy if they kept informing their their customers about how Obamacare was facing their premiums. PolitiFact, true to form, four or so years after the case, said that Kathleen Sebelius was creating a culture of intimidation. She was violating the First Amendment rights of those, those consumers to hear truthful information about how Obamacare was affecting them. She has raided uh, some uh, uh, funds. You know, she's raided funds that Congress has appropriated for one purpose in order to uh, try to implement Obamacare when Congress didn't appropriate any funds for, say, a federal exchange. She was found by the Inspector General to have violated federal law because she was politicking on the taxpayer's dime while she was traveling in North Carolina. She narrowed the Supreme Court's ruling in NFIB versus Sebelius in a way that allowed her to keep coercing states into implementing parts of Obamacare's Medicaid expansion that the court had ruled uh, she could not coerce them into doing. She, uh, there's, of course, uh, the her participation in Barack Obama issuing tax credits for to purchase health insurance through federal exchanges, even though the statute is very clear that those subsidies are available only through exchanges established by the state. Uh, and most recently, the Department of Health and Human Services has effectively outlawed short-term health insurance policies, even though they have no authority to do so. This is, uh, uh, I think it was Louis, the Supreme Court Justice Louis Brandeis who said that liberty is under its greatest threat, uh, or the greatest encroachments against liberty come uh, from men of zeal uh, who are well-meaning but lack understanding. Kathleen Sebelius is certainly a person of zeal because she believes in this mission of universal health insurance coverage, and she has pushed the, uh, or expanded the powers of the Secretary of Health and Human Services beyond, their statu- beyond its, uh, the, the role of statutory bounds and beyond its constitutional bounds in order to, to protect Obamacare.
there are specific powers that fall to the Secretary of Health and Human Services if the Independent Payment Advisory Board, which is the what is what has been called a death panel by uh, some folks. Uh, so we have another HHS secretary at some point uh, coming in. That person will inherit those powers. Perhaps I mean there's a there's a there's a chance that that can happen because if the president does not appoint anyone to IPAB as we call it, then all of that board's powers fall to the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Now something some things have to happen. Medicare spending has to grow at a certain rate before those powers are triggered. But the woman that the president has nominated to replace Kathleen Sebelius, a woman named Sylvia Matthews Burwell. She's currently the director of the Office of Management and Budget. There is a chance that if she is confirmed, she will wield all of IPAB's powers. And those include the power to raise taxes, the power to ration care. Now, I think that the troubling part of IPAB is not that it would cut Medicare spending. I think that would be that, that's, that would be nice. I would like Congress to cut Medicare spending. But Congress does not have the authority to delegate to an unelected official the, the power to make those sorts of decisions, and that's exactly what IPAB or the Secretary of Health and Human Services would do. So when Kathleen Sebelius was so, – so really, Burwell's nomination is the first nomination the first IPAB nomination that we've seen. Kathleen Sebelius was confirmed to be HHS secretary before IPAB existed. So there was no need, no reason for the Senate to vet her or to wield those sorts of powers, which are far beyond what she currently wields, even as she has expanded uh, the, the, the powers of her role uh, or her position there. But with uh, Sylvia Burwell, we do have the first IPAB nomination, and it makes sense that senators should ask Burwell about how she would uh, wield those powers if, in fact, Medicare spending triggers uh, those powers and, and, and leaves her with the ability, really, to, to manage one-sixth of the U.S. economy by herself. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.